1: This is Where We Live, I'm John Dankowski. Given my job, people always ask me, what's your favorite interview of all time? Well, you're about to hear it. It was August of 2008, and I was asked to interview Dave Brubeck on stage at the Litchfield Jazz Festival as part of an NEA Jazz Masters program. Joining us was Paquito de Rivera, the talented Cuban-born saxophonist who, along with Brubeck, was headlining that year's festival. I was asking some questions of my own, and also questions from young jazz students at the Litchfield Jazz Festival's camp. The afternoon had been interrupted by a nasty midsummer thunderstorm, but it didn't keep the crowds away. Dave Brubeck rolled up in a golf cart, I met him and helped him on stage. He was 87 at the time, but still going strong, an accident had him temporarily hobbled. We talked about the careers of both men, and the way they intersected. The part that was most fascinating to me was the story of Dave Brubeck's work as a jazz ambassador and how his travels behind the Iron Curtain and Paquito de Rivera's escape from the Castro regime fit together as a story about freedom. On this week that we celebrate Dave Brubeck, who would have turned 92 this week, but who died in Norwalk, we're going to listen back to our talk and to some of the music that they played at the festival that year. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did listening back. It is my pleasure to welcome these artists to the stage. Paquito de Rivera was named an NEA Jazz Master back in 2005. He's a virtuoso saxophonist and clarinetist uh, who's won 11 Grammys, a National Medal of the Arts, and countless other awards for his work in jazz and classical music. He's a native of Cuba, and he came to this country in the early 1980s. Ladies and gentlemen, Paquito de Rivera. And standing next to me is uh, a gentleman who you all know. Dave Brubeck's career spans over six decades. He's been called a living legend by the Library of Congress. He was the face of jazz back in the 1950s, the first jazz artist to appear on the cover of Time magazine. Throughout his career, he sold millions of records, and he's taken his music to nearly every corner of the world. Like Paquito, he's been a pioneer in crossing musical genres, blending jazz and classical music. He was named an NEA Jazz Master back in 1999. He has his own National Medal of the Arts, and this year he was presented with the inaugural Benjamin Franklin Award for Public Diplomacy. Dave Brubeck. Thank
0: you, thank you.
1: First, let's start at the very beginning i know dave brubeck you had a lot of musicians in your family but you also worked and lived on a cattle ranch and i'm wondering how you made the transition from rancher into musician and when you knew you were going to be a jazz musician wow <laughs> in uh,
0: our family my mother was a great pianist and my father was a cattleman but two of my brothers were really wonderful musicians. Um, The eldest brother, 11 and a half years older, was a drummer and vocalist and a legit violinist. He um, ended up playing with um, a, a great orchestra that came out of Northern California. Gil Evans. Do you remember Gil? Yeah. Yeah. So you know my brother was no slouch. (laughs) And uh, all those guys came out of the same place that I came out of, Stockton, California. So um, I got to hear jazz from my brother. They rehearsed in our house when I was five or six years old with a high school band before he went with Gil. So I really heard jazz right in our house. My other brother Howard was uh, a great composer. If you know my recording uh, with the New York Philharmonic with Leonard Bernstein called Dialogue for jazz combo and symphony orchestra. My brother wrote that. So you can see that he was a great musician. And I would like Paquito to be speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: Paquito, I wanted to ask you the same, what was your first experience with with jazz music and, and how were you exposed to it in your native Cuba?
2: My father was a classical saxophone player. He was a person who imported the French school of the saxophone, Marcel Mule, from the Paris Conservatory to Havana even before I was born in 1943. He he never had the ability to improvise, but he loved the sound of of, uh, Benny Goodman, and uh, Lester Young, and Stan Getz. I don't blame him. (laughs) (laughs) So he encouraged me to listen to jazz music. So my first uh, I was going to say my first CD, <laughs> very <laughs> optimistic. So, but was my, f- my first LP was uh, Benny Goodman live at Carnegie Hall uh, with great. Lionel Hampton and oh, recording in 1938, and they put that this uh, this uh, LP out in 1950 something. So, uh, C. Elman was there and, and uh, 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 Harry James and Gene Krupa, Lionel Hampton, the wonderful Teddy Wilson and he played that back-to-back with a Benny's rendition of the Bosa Concerto for Clarinet and Orchestra. So I never n- knew the difference, still I don't, the difference between uh, classical or jazz music. So like the great Duke Ellington say, there is, there is only two kind of music, good and bad. Or Ellington said there is only two kind of music, good and the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so later on, my father played for me, of course, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, and Bobby Franco and uh, uh, Lee Konitz. and the, something that was a revelation for me was the Dave Brubeck Quartet. That marked my life, and it will be marked forever. I never dreamed that I was going to be in the same uh, stage with one of the greatest artists of the 20th century. David <laughs> Thank you. Thank
0: you.
1: Well, let me ask you, how did it influence you? How did hearing Paul Desmond and how did, did his music influence you? What was different about it?
2: I, I used to transcribe his solo, Paul Desmond's solos from the quartet, especially, especially a, a, an LP Called just it was it was a great cover with with uh, with Desmond and Brubeck in the cover. It's a very uh, fussy uh, picture of Brubeck and Desmond, and say just Brubeck, Desmond in in, uh, in 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 yellow, in very bright yellow uh, letters. And there was a very long and beautiful version of uh, Stardust. Oh. You recorded that twice, so the, the, there is one rec- that what a. Uh, a uh, version is very short and the other one is very long. I transcribed both solos and many, many, 30 or 40 years later, I wrote on a string, uh, on woodwind quintet called uh, uh, Dreams and Dust, Dust and Dreams, based on, on Dave Brubeck and Paul Desmond's solo. Now you can send me to your lawyer if you want. <laughs> 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 Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, my lawyer will contact you too.
1: <laughs> D- Dave Brubeck, did you know that your music was having the type of influence it was around the world, that, that young musicians in places like Cuba and all over Europe and all around the world were listening to what you were doing and learning from it? Did you realize the impact you were having at the time?
0: Well, it took a long time, believe me. It wasn't easy because a lot of the things I... Started doing were uh, out of the box, so to speak. And uh, at, at first, musicians did not want to play in different tempos than 4 4. And we were, if you remember, in 5 4, 7, 4, 9, 8, 11, 13, 15. <laughs> And it took a long time for the uh, acceptance in, in, mostly in very good musicians uh, didn't want to go that direction. And the very great ones did. And uh, well, I can never remember a time when other musicians weren't, Interested in what we were doing in San Francisco and would come in where I worked, and people like Miles Davis, Duke Ellington, Stan Kenton, and it gradually spread from San Francisco slowly across the country till the point where they wanted me to work at Birdland in New York. And then uh, Things got bigger and bigger, but it was very slow in coming.
1: This is Where We Live, and today we're listening to a conversation I had on stage with Dave Brubeck and Paquito de Rivera. Here's some of Brubeck's performance from that evening, featuring saxophonist Bobby Militello. Dave Brubeck and his quartet playing at the Litchfield Jazz Festival in 2008. Brubeck died this week, just one day short of his 92nd birthday. We're remembering him by listening back to the conversation I had with him and Paquito de Rivera on stage at the festival that year. When we come back, we'll talk about his work in fighting the spread of communism and his work for civil rights by leading integrated bands at a time when that was not the norm. This is Where We Live.
0: This
1: is Where We Live. I'm John Dankosky. Today we're celebrating the life of jazz legend and Connecticut resident Dave Brubeck by listening back to my 2008 interview with him on stage at the Litchfield Jazz Festival. It was part of an NEA Jazz Masters program. Joining us on stage was Paquito de Rivera, the talented Cuban-born saxophonist who, along with Brubeck, was headlining that year's festival. We're also listening to some of the music that they played at the 2008 Litchfield Jazz Festival. Now, I asked Brubeck about some of the world music that he was listening to as he developed his distinctive sound, which veered away from the standard jazz time signatures of the day.
0: A lot of people didn't want to get out of 4-4, four, four, occasional 3-4. But I heard in 1946 the Dennis Roosevelt expedition into the Belgium Congo, where he took an old recording machine Acetate, does anyone remember what that was? <laughs> and all that equipment into the really remote part of, of Africa. And what he recorded, I heard, fortunately, and I knew that jazz wasn't supposed to be in 4-4 only if it was to reflect its real roots, Africa. Why were we playing European March style? Because that's what New Orleans was close to, was the, the march, a good thing. But if, if they were going to be African, they better listen to what's going on in Africa. And I had a tough fight getting great musicians to bother to listen to uh, Gene Krupa, listened to the Belgian Congo recording, was very moved by that. But it, uh, it, if you ever get a chance to hear it, you'll know why I did what I did.
1: Now, Paquito de Rivera, you, you spent a lot of your career blending, as you said, these various musical styles that I think people say are different, classical and Cuban music and, and jazz. For you, it's it's all blended together. How did you develop a style that allowed you to work in these different fields and work within Cuban music, work within jazz music and classical music, e- even though they're very segregated in some ways?
2: Well, o- always I say that there is a, <coughs> a big hole, a big gap, in the jazz education and the classical education, to call it some way, classical and jazz education, popular education or whatever. Uh, jazz people are missing thousands of years of, of uh, discipline. Intonation. Any saxophone players around? (laughs) Intonation, discipline, and tradition, you know. Jazz jazz is a new new genre, you know. So, uh, the term jazz was uh, taken into account only around 1913, so it's a very young style of music. So, uh, jazz people are missing all those uh, years of tradition and and, uh, discipline and uh, school, schooling and all that. On the other hand, classical people are missing the freshness of jazz music. You know, this esta cosa fresca, new, young, of, of jazz music, the improvisation, for example. Improvisation has disappeared from the, from the uh, classical world for so long. I, I knew even great soloists that they play cadenzas written by other people. It's like, like playing the solo from Charlie Parker. You know, You play a, or playing a solo from Dave Brubeck, which is a great solo, but it's Dave's solo. You're supposed to, to do your own cadences and all that. That is coming back now. That is coming back now. So wh- what I mean is that uh, I was lucky that my father was a classical player that loved jazz, because that was, I was exposed to both type of music, and I think my life has been better. And my telephone rings more.
1: (laughs) Here's Paquito de Rivera playing in that 2008 Litchfield Jazz Festival. His band featured Hartford pianist Zakai Curtis. This is where he lived. Dave Brubeck, it's been 50 years, this year, 50 years since your tour Behind the Iron Curtain. And I'm wondering if you can reminisce a little bit about that time in which you played in front of audiences that had not previously experienced uh, American music, at least for a number of years, and what that was like for you, because it was a remarkable, groundbreaking thing.
0: You know, recently we were in Washington, D.C., and... um, The idea was to talk about our tour behind the Iron Curtain. Uh, President Eisenhower wanted jazz to go out into the world, and especially along the Russian border. Naturally, our tour started with, for the State Department in Poland, which was communistic. And um, the, you can't believe how well we were received. They they wrote about things like that we were from heaven sent to them. Can you imagine? And um, that they understood what they should be striving for to have this freedom that jazz imparted into their souls. And recently in Washington, they told me through uh, interviews how different artists came to life because they saw what we were doing as free people. And uh, sculptors, uh, poets, every form of art was suddenly going to take on communism. If you know, you don't know unless you've been there what it's like. And you, we played 12 concerts in Poland, underground meetings and underground concerts after the main concert that was uh, in an auditorium. Then we'd hang out and go to jazz clubs. The last night, they threw a party for us, and the, President of the underground club wanted to give a toast. And he stood up and said, you're going home tomorrow. I want you to know how we Poles love freedom as much as you Americans. And thank you for coming. So what we did, we didn't understand how we could be that important. We had no clue that we were helping people break away from communism. If I told you all the stories about what happened to people if they were caught listening to jazz.
1: Dave Brubeck told us about a clandestine system that doctors working behind the Iron Curtain would use to smuggle in Western jazz recordings. Using x-ray machine technology, they could capture recordings off the Voice of America and then share them with their patients.
0: It was called Jazz and Bones. I have actually held one of these x-ray plates that worked as a record in my hand. Can you imagine have to, having to do that? Just to, to hear something you wanted to hear for years and taking the risk that you might go to Siberia. You, you probably would if caught with that record.
2: I know that story from firsthand. Very few people want to believe me in America. I wrote, uh, this this is going to sound funny, I I wrote the book called My Sax Life. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's a very funny title. It's a very funny title, but I am so happy, no, it's a contradiction, but I am so happy to hear Mr. Dave Brubeck talking about how much harm the system do in the entire world, from Russia to Cuba from Chile to, to the end of the world, to China, Vietnam, or wherever you go. Communism is just one. And, and, and in that book, I, I narrate things that happened, That, that Rubeck wants to see. There is many, many, too many American artists that don't want to see the horror in the communist system. You know? They prefer to... to to see something else and don't talk about it. Another person who talked, another of the very few artists who talk about that is Charles Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. Charles Lloyd was there in Tallinn, in that yeah, festival yeah, in course. Tallinn. When, when he went, when he met a group of, of musicians and he invited him that night to come to the concert and he never saw them again. The same thing happened to me in Azerbaijan. We met these people this group of musicians, we, have a, we play a jam session with them. We invite them. We, we bought, uh, you know, we got free tickets for them for the concert that night. Ne- that we never saw them again. That yeah. is the way it works, believe it or not. You want to ignore that here. It's very easy to be very liberal and forget about that. And it's important to know that in those countries there is no freedom and it's horrible. Even, even against what many of them say, they are forced to say things they are ter- ter- terrified to, to declare the truth is not that easy. And I am so happy that Brubeck, you know, say that because he's one of my idols, and then coming out of, of the mouth of such a great artist means something finally.) <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, uh, just to stress what Pakito was saying, we were scheduled to go to Russia three times. Eventually, we went to Russia three times. But twice, our ambassador called me the next day we were on the way to Russia. And he said, Dave, don't come. If you come, the secret police are going to have a table at the door, and everybody that comes in, their identification card will be taken. They will never get an education. They will never get a, a government job or a good job. I don't think you want to come because some people are going to come and lose everything just because they they want to see you. See
2: you, yeah.
0: Yeah. Can you understand how that is, to lose everything you have because you want to hear some truth once in a while? So, Paquito, I'm glad that when I tell these stories, I don't think people want to believe me. I could tell you worse that you wouldn't believe, but I won't.
1: Dave Brubeck recorded on stage at the Litchfield Jazz Festival in 2008. It was part of an NEA Jazz Masters event I hosted with Paquito de Rivera. If you want to hear more excerpts from this interview, go to blankonblank.org. It's the site for the PRX podcast that produced a nice short documentary from our interview. More of this conversation coming up where we live right after this break. This is where we live. I'm John Dankosky. Coming up on Monday's show, clergy members preside over some of life's most important moments, marriages, baptisms, and even death. We'll talk about how religious professionals cope with the loss of life and help people in the process of grieving. I hope you can join us. This week, we're remembering a great man who lost his life this week, Dave Brubeck, the legendary jazz pianist who died in Norwalk, Connecticut, just a day short of his 92nd birthday. We're remembering him by listening back to the conversation that I had with him and Paquito de Rivera on stage at the Litchfield Jazz Festival in 2008. Now, before the break, we were talking about Brubeck's trips behind the Iron Curtain as a jazz ambassador during the Cold War, but I wanted to hear more about the courage it took to tour with an integrated band in the South in the late 1950s.
0: All of my quartet decided we'd take the risk, and the risk was bad. Uh, We had 25 concerts booked in the south and I was they call that block booking. I was called and said, do not bring your black bass player Eugene Wright. Get a white bass player or you cannot come. And I said, we're not coming. We lost 23 concerts out of 25. And there's far worse things that I won't talk about. But this was a a tough time in the United States. I uh, lost many things in order to keep fighting for what I thought was right.
1: Speaking of courage, you came from Cuba to to
2: play here, to play your music. Oppression, oppression and injustice don't have nationality, you know, and we have to fight again against oppression and injustice wherever we go. Doesn't happen to, you know, people tend to the left or to the right. I I really don't believe in that. What is wrong is wrong, you know, whatever is wrong is wrong. That's (laughs) it. I have to give credit to, to a person that had a great meaning in the in, uh, in the jazz world behind the iron curtain or the the, uh, the uh, shark curtain, which I, I, I call the the curtain <laughs> between Cuba and the Strait of Florida. You know? <laughs> uh, this person is a, a, a very dear f- uh, person in the jazz community abroad and very very un- unknown here. His name was Willie Scarnover. Oh, yes. Willis. Willis, Willis uh, was Voice of America. Yes. He got the oldest radio show in the planet, except for one guy in Venezuela, called Jax Brownstein, who is, is, a, is a six months older than, than Willis Carnival <laughs> program. So he was the person who kept us alive, uh, informed about the, the, uh, the, what they call in our country imperialist music. <laughs> they, they call it, they, they, Brubeck as imperialist music, even Duke Kellington, you know. So, uh, uh, Willis Conover was uh, very, very important in implementing all the knowledge that we have about uh, jazz music, about the latest recording of, of Brubeck and so many other, Freddie Hubbard, and uh, Ma- the new Miles Davis Quintet, and all that. So jazz was an, op- uh, it, was a, was an it is an obsession in our lives. We love this music mainly because it's the music of, that was born in the country of immigrants where every one put his own contribution and the still is called, called jazz. Like Herbie Hancock say, jazz is something impossible to define and very easy to recognize. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was gonna ask this question. I think four different people have asked me to ask this question. Dave Brubeck, you're 87 years old, and I wonder where you find the energy to perform at such a high level still after all these years. Where do you get the energy from? Where can we get some of it? I usually have more. I,
0: uh, I don't think I've ever used a cane Maybe once, one other time, yeah. And uh, I stepped on a piece of glass, and they had to operate on it four days ago. And uh, it slowed me down, like getting up on stage. But my energy is still there. And um, I, I think um, my love of family, of My country of jazz, of playing, will make me put up with all the crap.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you find yourself playing differently over the years. How do you have to adapt that part of what you do? I don't see a big change. Uh, I'm not as
0: fast as I used to be. Most of the time, once in a while, I I get into high gear. (laughs) Uh, But What I started doing in the early 40s was what I still want to do, is to play polytonal music and polyrhythmic music. And those have been my goals all my life. Doesn't change much. Um, So I'm still trying to master what I dreamt about and I still work at it, and uh, I've been very fortunate, and uh, I'm so happy to be at places like this, and still going, and I'll keep trying.
1: I know you said before we started officially that, that you met Dave Brubeck for the first time back in 1970, and so you've known him for a very long time. I'm wondering, is there anything you've ever wanted to ask him that you've been waiting until right now to ask him?
2: <laughs> well, you, you took me by surprise, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to, when I met him in 1970, I didn't want to ask him anything. I, I had so many things to tell him. <laughs> remember, that, remember that I am Cuban, so I have a friend who is a writer who say, never give a microphone to a Cuban because he can be talking for 50 years without stopping. <laughs> but I don't think I have all the answers he'd give it with the piano with his wonderful compositions and especially with his wonderful spirit and behavior. You know, he's such a famous person, and, uh, and he never lost that wonderful humbleness. Is that the correct word? <laughs> and that wonderful rapport with his colleagues. I don't remember one single person saying anything that is not beautiful about Dave Brubeck. And uh, I, maybe you are sick and tired of hearing that, but we love you so much. <laughs>
1: That's Paquito de Rivera and Dave Brubeck on stage at the Litchfield Jazz Festival in 2008. It was recorded as part of an NEA Jazz Masters project. I want to thank Lindsey Turner and Vita Muir from Litchfield Performing Arts for asking me to take part. The story didn't end there though. A 12-year-old saxophonist named Dakota Austin came up to Dave Brubeck to say it was his dream to play with him. Brubeck picks up the story on stage near the end of his evening set.
0: I said, I I don't know, but uh talk to Bobby Militello, my saxophonist, see what he says. Bobby just told me this young man that we've never heard and don't know is going to come on right now.
1: 12 year old dakota austin playing with the dave brubeck quartet as his colleague paquito de rivera said to us that night he'd never heard anyone say anything bad about dave brubeck and i can see why he made that night for dakota and for me one of the most memorable of our lives that's who he was he was generous and kind he was giving of his time an ambassador and a gentleman i'll miss him now his music that'll be around for a while our show is produced by katie talarski tucker ives Heather Brandon, and Betsy Kaplan. I'm John Dankoski. This is Where We Live.